Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. And no one else, which means only one thing. We can commandeer the main podcast slot and do our own thing. Now, last time we did this, we decided to rank some stuff entirely subjectively. And the last two times we did this, uh, we broke down from software games and we broke down the best PlayStation exclusives of the last 10 years entirely subjectively, which meant that Returnal wasn't even on my top 10. Tragic. Because who even needs that game? Not me. But um, we thought this time we would do, in celebration of the uh, Marvel Disney live stream D23 Expo, and um, that's about to go down in the next few weeks, we thought we'd break down the best superhero games of all time, but again, entirely subjectively. So if there's some mad banter picks in here, we're not going with any objective measure. We're not saying that Arkham Asylum is number one just because it's the best made game or whatever. Maybe we're saying Captain America Super Soldier's number one because I can make the case for that game. Is that what you're saying, Scott Tilford? Um, is that your number one pick? I'm not not saying it. That game... <laughs> No, it's definitely not a number one. Um, Captain America Super Soldier, I will have as my official honorable mention. I will also say that we tried recording this podcast earlier, and for whatever reason, the recording software decided to double up every few seconds, which meant that the recording just ate itself. But there was some prime Captain America banter in there. James Douse uh, thought he could stop this podcast, and now he's (laughs) tied up in an unnamed part of this office. The technology thought they could stop these hot and spicy takes from getting out, (laughs) and it couldn't. Phil came in and fixed everything. Yes. Third time... Will no work. one can get now away. No one can stop you now from talking about Captain America. <laughs> so this was initially my number 10, um, but it's my honorable mention. I'm just going to very quickly say that I love that game's combat. And the reason, oh, that's one of the um, criteria that I had for this list, um, is that if I'm going completely subjective, I'm going about, you know, what are the best superhero games, then it is what are the games that made you feel like that character the most? What are the games that embodied their abilities um, and then pushed them to the next level or whatever? So um, my, like I said, honorable mention, but it started as my number 10, was Captain America Super Soldier for as much as that game is dogged on for being an Arkham ripoff, I love all the and um, the slow motion cutaways and how much they emphasize just how much strength Cap has. And then I love the shield stuff. Like hardly any game, if any game, has given us Cap shield. The nearest thing, nearest game that lets you um, have fun pinging a shield off a bunch of dudes' faces is like Destiny 2. Like you can get that one ability where you get the shield well, and you can fling it. There could be another superhero game that I'll get to soon that could we'll there? talk about. There could be. And an interesting uh, proposition to uh, deliver on it further down the line. But that's my honourable mention. What are yours, sir? My, well, first of all, I want to say that uh, I need to thank you for the Captain America mm. recommendation because I used to think that that was going to be uh, a bad game and I avoided it <laughs> at all costs because I thought it was going to be like the Thor game that yes. came out at around the same time. Uh-huh. But then when I first started writing a what culture and talking to you, you recommended it and you were right. You know, <laughs> sometimes Scott Telford is right is all I'm going to say. In 2013 or 2014, I mentioned Captain America 20. 20- 
18, I mentioned Ori and the Blind Forest. It, it all and, comes together. And Josh eventually, I'm talking to the third person now, Josh eventually gets to it, you know? It's, it's, it's the story older than time. Yeah, like you said, you know, there are a few um, criteria that was needed to hit for this mm. list, you know, so we couldn't have multiple uh, entries from the same franchise. So, you know, we've only got one Arkham game on here. Mm-hmm. And I imposed a sort of limitation on myself because I could have made this entire list, this entire top 10 list Mm -hmm. out of Spider-Man games, but I didn't just want to make it a Spider-Man ranking. We'll save that for another time. Mm -hmm. So I want to shout out a bunch of Spider-Man games that I probably would have put on this list if it was purely uh, just a free-for-all. So I want to shout out Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions, which is still an incredible Spider-Man game. I want to shout out Spider-Man Web of Shadows, which is also amazing. Spider-Man 2 didn't make my top 10 list uh, because it got swapped out for something else that (laughs) we'll get to and I want to shout out perhaps the best of the bunch Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1 which doesn't make my top 10 list though is the game that got me into superheroes and got me into Marvel specifically because that title playing that as a kid was unbelievable the only reason it doesn't get on the list proper Mm -hmm. is that I played it a few years ago and while I enjoyed it from a nostalgic standpoint it's not one unlike the rest it's a clunky boy it's a clunky boy I couldn't recommend it to someone who doesn't (laughs) have that nostalgic feeling for it if that makes sense I will bring this up in due time but uh, Spider-Man on the Playstation 1 we've got we could talk about that game a lot more as we get there. Um, yeah, let's start bringing some stuff down. So, um, like Josh said, we've already, we, the rule was you couldn't have multiple games from the same franchise or the same notable run of games. Let's say a developer had the character for a certain um, set of games, you might group them together. It was just a way of encouraging, uh, making it harder on ourselves <laughs> and uh, encouraging more uh, variety across the list. So, uh, number 10 uh, for me is X-Men Mutant Academy, um, which, when we started talking about doing this before uh, recording, um, I forgot the name of this game. I thought it was X-Men uh, Children of the Atom, but I remember uh, lending this or borrowing this um, from a game store back in the day, back in like 90, whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, um, and just nice. being blown away by this game's mechanics. It's a 3D fighting game. Um, I remember it being the first time I'd ever seen those characters in 3D. It was on PlayStation 1. Um, and it's just immaculate. I love just how fast it is. I love the, uh, the move variety that you have. And I love how many um, sort of traversal options you have um, in terms of the mobility stuff, like playing as Beast, you can just dominate the screen um, and everyone has really cool over-the-top finishes. It's just slick as hell. I would agree. Uh, mm. I really enjoyed playing these games as a kid. And similarly to you, yes. it was also the first time I'd seen a lot of these characters in 3D. For me, it was Mutant Academy 2, though, rather right, than right. 1, which, you know, had great models and just, like, it made me... For me, especially when I was younger, the mm. best superhero games would get me intrigued in the law and would have me reading like character bios mm. and going on a, on a primitive version of the internet that I had at the time and looking at power levels and stuff like that. <laughs> and Mutant Academy 2 definitely sparked that intrigue, you right. know, trying to figure out who these people were because I'd only really kind of like watched the the 90s cartoon show and oh, I dude, guess same. the first X-Men movie. So I, I wasn't prepared mm. for these versions of these characters and I didn't understand why they kind of like looked the way they did, but that was really alluring on top okay. of this really good, you know, fighting system that you mentioned. They mm-hmm. were, you know, a lot of people talk about Marvel versus Capcom in as like the fighting arena, but yeah. Mutant Academy was, and both Mutant Academy games were, were something. I think as well, like we, they we're talking about games that came out like before the MCU blew up, like before everyone talked about superheroes when it felt like superheroes or TV shows or whatever were just a little bit more less talked about, maybe amongst like, your friends or something. But it was like when a game like this came along, it was like this is why this stuff is awesome. You can give anyone this game. It still holds up really well today as well. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's important to put it into context mm. because you know while there were X Men movies, you know those X Men movies didn't necessarily get 
the law right. You know, you've got mm. Sabretooth and Wolverine in that first uh, film, and it's not mentioned that they're supposed to be brothers or anything yep. like that. It's kind of they were they were adapting things. Uh, Hollywood was adapting things as they saw fit. Mm-hmm. So you know, I didn't know who half the roster was because right. you know my friends didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of X Men, and you know I, it was difficult to get online and kind of figure this stuff out. Like you said, you know they weren't as well known in the pop cultural lexicon as they are now, and that was. <laughs> I love uh, a pop cultural lexicon. So do I. Very yeah. tasty. Very Slide crunchy. Slimy one. Surpri- no, s- surprisingly slimy and crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I think in regards to uh, this game, the final note is that they should just put this on the PlayStation Premium service. I yeah. think in terms of its core mechanics, it just does hold up. It's very slick um, and very fast and very responsive. I love this game, but what's your number 10? It is another X-Men game. Ooh. It's X-Men Legends 2. Ooh, I would shout. have also have liked to put X-Men Legends 1 on there, but I like that in the second game. Uh, this, if you don't know, is kind of like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance-style game, and if you don't know what that is, hmm. it's uh, kind of like a dungeon crawler where you get to control a party of four X-Men characters that you can swap between. You can play a co-op and you're essentially just like crawling through these dungeons. Back uh, when four-player co-op was cool. Exactly. Eh? Uh, beating up a load of dudes using the unique powers of everyone. And X-Men Legends 2 allowed you to play as the villains as well as the regular heroes. So you got to play as Mystique, you got to play as Magneto, mm. you got to play as, I think, Mr. Sinister. No, he was a bad guy that you could maybe unlock. You got to play as Iron Man, as a ah. secret unlockable character. Okay. And again, uh, these games were just just great at introducing you to the X-Men lore, giving you some uh, cool little storylines that were partially adapted from the uh, comic books. The Mm -hmm. second game, X-Men Legends game, was Age of Apocalypse, so you know, Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister and whatnot. They were the main um, villains in this. And I just, I I have a soft spot for those kind of four-player co-op like Mm. dungeon-crawling beat-em-ups. And they work for me because you get to experience a lot of different characters, which is obviously great for a roster as big as the X-Men has, mm-hmm. and then it got you interested in favorites. Obviously, you know, Wolverine's in there. I really loved playing as Cyclops, and his, you know, optic blasts and such were really fun to play. Mm-hmm. And I also think there was a surprising amount of depth to the combat, because those powers were able to be leveled up, they were able to be swapped out, all of that stuff. Really cool game. It still plays really well if you own a PlayStation 2. They should definitely put these games on the PlayStation Plus service, like Just- you said. I, I think they're great. Just get Raven out of the Call of Duty mines yes. and point them back towards some sort of top-down four-player thing. Yes. Because it works very, very well. Like I said, I used to, like like you said, you have a soft spot for it. Same. Like, we're going to talk about some other stuff that Raven did, um, you know, down the line. That, like, that whole, I remember when X-Men Legends first did the rounds when I was in high school and everyone's like, have you seen this game? Like, this is just, this is the game. This is the way that you play as all the X-Men all at once. Um, and obviously they would go on to do the Ultimate Alliance stuff and everything else. Um, but yeah, there was such a feel to those games that I feel like even Ultimate Alliance 3 couldn't get right. right. Um, like Ultimate Alliance 3, obviously it's a different dev. I think it's Platinum. But um, still, 3 was way more on like, I don't know, it just didn't it didn't feel the same way. No. It didn't really let you build your characters out the same way. Um, it was a lot more grindy. Um, my number nine is Batman the Telltale series. Um, episode one or season one. Um, season two is fun. They throw a lot more villains and stuff in there. Um, but I um, just love season one. I love the whole, um, like, the, like the duality of being Bruce and Batman. And no one else has ever, no other game has ever done that. Where like you're having a conversation with someone as Bruce. Say you're talking to Falcone or whatever. You're talking to some gangster. And you know, like you, you're picking apart like what you want to talk to them as when you're Batman. And then when you get the scene later, obviously they're story based. So those scenes are going to happen in a certain order. 
order, but you do get dialogue choices and everything. Um, and I love just like reapproaching the same person now as Batman, knowing that you can do whatever you want. Um, and they obviously have the freedom to get as violent as you want or be more um, psychological about it in terms of an interrogation or whatever. I just think they nail the duality of the character. And if, like I said, if I'm uh, grading off how much they made me feel like that character, yeah. then um, the Batman Telltale series. And also it's Troy Baker like doing um, Bruce and Batman. Like I think that he just, he nails the suave of Bruce and the sort of... Um, you know, like the the fakeness of Bruce Wayne, uh, but also like the uh, and some of the vulnerability, and then just the all out walking tank that is Batman, and um, with the the different uh, technology he has and everything like that. So massive shout out to Batman. Hey man, I had I had that as my number four. Ooh-hoo! I really enjoyed that game. The first season, for whatever reason, never played the second season. Just just didn't. I think a lot of people just dropped off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, no one bought the first season either. <laughs> it was infamously a a big you know money sink for Telltale. Considering it had the Batman name, not many Ridiculous. people were interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think if you do play that game, I would echo everything that you said. They mm-hmm. get the duality right. They get the ability to play as Bruce Wayne and, more importantly, make that interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we've played as Bruce Wayne in other Batman games that I'm sure we'll get to, and it's boring and it's not fun. That's the thing as well. Um, just super quickly, is that they the the story they do is so unique. It's yep. become less unique recently, um, thanks to the Batman and stuff like that. But um, the the line they walk with like the Wayne's history it is really really cool even if you just play the first episode which is now free everywhere they just want to get it in front of people and um, play the first episode of Batman the Telltale series it's it's really really good I would echo that it's a, a hidden gem which is <laughs> weird considering it's a Batman game and yeah. it's made by Telltale it's yeah. kind of crazy what's your that. number 9 sir my number 9 is another X-Men game and the last oh. X-Men game on this list oh. is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that I may or may not have that all? way higher up. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we're doing the role reversal. Of a little Batman bit, Telltale. a little bit. Yeah, this is number nine for me, just because I think it would be higher if I'd played it again more recently, mm. but I'm kind of going off memories of it, and I remember it being very good. Oh, I love that. Uh, obviously, in terms of, you know, being able to be unleashed as an R-rated Wolverine, essentially. <laughs> you know, you've got, like, all of the viscera in there. You've got, like, the viscerality of the character. Mm-hmm. You've got the healing ability, which obviously is inherent to Wolverine, but this game does it so well. We've mm. sung its praises so many times before about how you as the character, you know, your, your skin is getting torn off and it's regenerating the in live action. representation well. of that Looking healing factor it, ever. 100%. It looks incredibly sick. It's gnarly. You've got some great, like, kind of finishes in there, some great set pieces and some really cool environments to boot. Uh, it's a, Sounds it's like a it could solid. be number two, Josh. I don't know. I don't think it's going to Number two, is that why you have it? I've got my dude, X-Men Origins Wolverine. That thing is like pristine. Tell me why it's number two. I, it's well, it's everything you just said. But like I said, if I'm going off embodying the character, like right. even from the opening of that game where you drop out the helicopter and just land on a guy, and um, completely obliterate them, and then you get back up. Did Hugh Jackman do the voice right back in then? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, even if he didn't, I was gonna put X2 Wolverine's Revenge, yes. here, which I love as well. Um, that's Mark Hamill doing Wolverine's voice, um, which is fun. But that game, I mean, you can kill three dudes in one move. I like all the group stuff in that game. Um, didn't crack my top ten though. Um, but X Men Origin, Origins Wolverine, after you land on that dude at the start, you just like puts his arm back in, and then the combat just kicks the hell off. And I love that you can just do like big giant diving attacks at people. You can rip them in half. There's the bit when you just leap on top of the helicopter and take that down. Yeah. The main reason 
though, the main reason that I just realized I loved it, and I remember having this realization um, as I was playing it. I mean, a lot was um, spoken about in the previews about the healing system, like you said, and the devs, again, Raven, incredible yeah. uh, studio, um, modeled out like an actual like bone skeleton, a muscle overture thing, and like skin. So as you get like torn apart, you literally get torn apart down to bone, and then Wolverine reconstitutes back up to a full person. And I just loved watching that happen. I would just stand in front of like a turret, just getting like ripped apart, because I was like, it's so cool. I'm just going to watch him go down to bone. It's one of those classic um, video game paradoxes, isn't it? It's like so good. But if your parents walked in and you're like, hey, Josh, how are you spending your afternoon? It's uh, like, I'm watching this guy get eviscerated. And I'm going to see if he's got a tongue. Yeah, I want to see if he's got a tongue. <laughs> I want to see what's under those pectoral muscles. Yeah. Oh, it's just more viscera, is it? More just bone. some more bones and Love that. all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, I think that game is just paced incredibly well. I mean, it's literally God of War does, or Wolverine does God of War. Yeah. Old school God of War. Um, yeah, I couldn't get enough of that game. It was such a just a phenomenal power fantasy. I kind of want to echo what you said about um, X2 Wolverine's mm. Revenge because I completely forgot that game existed. What a game. That did not get jogged in my memory, nor did it come up on any of the searches that I made on Google.com. Right. It didn't review very well. Is a bloody travesty. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's terrible now. But I rented that and bought that game over and over again. Mm -hmm. I Oh man, I would, play, I would play that tonight. I used to go, I if you've got a lovely Steam Deck, you can get downloaded right now. Uh, 500 but, pounds for Wolverine's Revenge. I mean, yeah. Sold. So yeah, slam it down, slap it down. But I think in regards to X2, that game was so like, pro like it's a prototype of stealth. It's a prototype of group combat. It's a prototype of what I guess would become the Soulsian combat over the over your shoulder, um, but like barely coming together. Is that for what any you're saying, them? Scott? Uh, X2, X2 Wolverine's Revenge is the Dark Souls of the X-Men video game tie-in. Out of everything that's been X-Men tie-in so far, yeah, it I'll, might I'll be. Maybe that. the new Wolverine will become another one. Um, but yeah, the X2 game um, was awesome. Like I said, I always remember that game for group kills. I need to make a list of all the games that let you take out multiple dudes at once because yes. it's super rare and Assassin's Creed doesn't do it anymore and it sucks. I want really cool choreographed moves yeah. that let me kick one dude in the face and then punch someone else and then spin them both over at the same time. Also, Go and on. bear with me right now, it was also a predecessor to The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, yeah. because in this game, you could track people's footsteps by going into your sensors mode yes. to complete missions, which is what you do in The Witcher 3, where you go into The Witcher's Witcher sensor mode true. to track down footprints or bloodstains and whatnot. <laughs> X2 Wolverine's Revenge did it first. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just ignore Metal Gear Solid did the, the footsteps thing on Assassin's Creed Vision mode, it's all right. Nah, nah, X-Men Origins, no, X-Men 2 <laughs> was before... Assassin's Creed. Yep. Hang on, this is a working theory. On, yep. And uh, you had to have thermal goggles in Metal Gear Solid, and it wasn't part of Snake's sensors. No, you I could still see the, foot, the footprint. The, whose footprints are these? It's uh, all in the snow. But was it in a sense mode? It wasn't in a sense mode. I'm trying to clarify mode. here. No, in a sense, funnily enough, that we should do a spin-off podcast called In a Sense, where we talk about the best senses. I don't know if people at gaming. home know this, but Scott Tilford spends almost eight hours a day <laughs> coming up with pun names for <laughs> business ventures that oh. will one day become a reality. And yeah, that's that will never see the light of day. But In a Sense uh, is our new podcast dedicated to the Assassin's Creed vision mode and X to Wolverine's Revenge, um, ability to see footsteps, footprints. Um, number eight, though, is Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I went back and forward on putting this on my list, and it really? didn't make it in the end, but I can oh. totally see why it's here, if not higher. 
If I want to tear a car in half and wear it as a set of boxing gloves, I can only do that in Hulk Ultimate Destruction, okay. and I can do it very well. Actually, I think they put that in the Incredible Hulk tie-in movie game, which, like, three people played. Me? At you. Yeah. F that game. I just didn't... I don't want it. But Ultimate Destruction, elbow drops off the side of a building through yes. a tank. Yeah. Probably, like, one of the best sandbox games yeah. ever, perhaps? You know, I, in terms like, of its freedom? Yeah, there's, like, a tiny little um, thread of uh, games that are full-on Power Fantasies prototype yes. um, came from this, or was before this one of the two um, but the, in that thread of just get, making you feel so over the top powerful Hulk it's like the perfect version of him in this um, and I have a soft spot for the initial Hulk 2003 movie tie-in game me too um, minus the Bruce Banner stealth sections but you can't have everything they were good they were in not my good. Opinion. I'm not going to elaborate on that. I refuse to. They were good. <laughs> they were not good. <laughs> but um, Hulk Ultimate Destruction um, just wore its name on, on its on its tin, I was going to say. Wore its name <laughs> on its face. Um, and I loved all the over-the-top moves that you could do. They had that whole thing called weaponization, um, which has now become an accepted word in the overall, especially in gaming's lexicon. Weaponization. I'm sure it was weaponization was the term that they had for, like, you can pick something up and weaponize it. Right. And I remember at the time, the press being like, oh, they're inventing this term, <laughs> weaponizing everything, are we? Yes, we do. We do that a lot now and um, yeah in Hulk it was like you could surf on a bus you could tear a car in half you could grab um, like a missile launcher and fire it all out like a um, like a, as if you were firing like an RPG or whatever that game is very good it really was ultimate destruction I would say <laughs> they, they've, they've got that moniker quite right they nailed it what was your number 8 my number 8 is uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes the first one right. from 2013 or 14 which we also it. talked about on the uh, wind up earlier this week mm-hmm. because that I'm not a huge fan of Lego games like I can take or leave them yep. Uh, most of the time, but I got this when I got the PlayStation 4, and I thought this was just, like, great. Obviously, it's a love letter to Marvel in general, which is what I'm looking for when I rank all of these games, but I love how it mixed kind of, like, the open-world sandbox-style gameplay that Mm -hmm. you want with a superhero game alongside, you know, regular LEGO uh, game levels that were more contained and whatnot, and there was a lot of secrets in there, a lot of great characters that you could play as, and a lot of different play styles within that. I just thought... You know, when we talk about open-world superhero games, that needs to be in contention. When we talk about playing as Venom in an open-world city, we don't talk about LEGO Marvel superheroes, and you can absolutely do that. And it's good as well. You can play as Venom in the city and get up to a lot of cool things. Even just play... Right. I know that I said before that I kept a lot of Spider-Man games Go off on. here, but I would say that Lego Marvel Superheroes is actually a stealth Spider-Man game because he plays arguably the best out of the entire roster oh. and is great whether you're in the open city or whether you're in those levels. He's I, awesome. I see that uh, proposition. I raise you Iron Man in the open city because oh, uh, you can just fly around as Iron Man. Oh. And it's just like, <laughs> why was this not done in more games? Jumping down from the shield heli carrier as yes. Iron Man straight into the city. Like, that's awesome. Awesome, that's man. so good. No that's ma- Lego or, or otherwise. That's No Man's Sky before No Man's Sky. You that's could say. Loading a whole planet. This is it. If uh, X-Men Origin... <laughs> no, I keep saying that. If X-Men 2, Wolverine's Revenge, yes. is the Dark Souls of the X-Men <laughs> franchise, then Lego Marvel Superheroes is the No Man's Sky. The No Man's Sky. I, yeah, I, I massively back everything that you just said. I had a, a surprisingly incredible time with that game. And the open world stuff is like the icing on the cake for it. Yeah, I love just taking those characters out for a spin. Stan Lee's out in the open world somewhere as well. Yeah. Um, you can find him inside one of the apartments. Um, my number seven is Injustice 2. 
um, which is um, initially wrote down a whole bunch of Marvel stuff for this and then was like, okay, DC stuff, where are these things slotting in? Injustice 2, um, shy of Mortal Kombat 11, is, for me, is NetherRealm's best fighting game and, and their best game that they've done um, like before uh, MK11. I'm not that, that much to say like, um, extended. I just think that they nailed the mechanics they started out with in one. And I love um, like the power showdown stuff where it's like if you both do a special at the same time or whatever, um, there's a lot of stuff that just enhances the fact that two superheroes are battering the hell out of each other. Um, the roster's really good. The balancing's really good. I love the loot system as well, which I never say, mm-hmm. um, but it, I thought they get, got a good balance of unlocking stuff because you're playing, um, and I didn't have to resort to microtransaction stuff, and the loot itself looked awesome. Like, everything I was getting, I was like, I really want to go and equip that, like, immediately. Um, I just think it's a really stellar set of systems, and um, the single player is brilliant. The whole thing of, like, would you side with Batman or Superman um, as, um, I think it's Superman gets increasingly, like, um, over the top. And, and, like, the whole Injustice um, side story is all about, like, what if Superman became a tyrant and how do you stop him and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Injustice 2, I think, is a, a meaty package. I only played this game for one hour. And no way! It's not because I didn't like it. Uh, I really enjoyed the first game right. when that came out. You know, I played that to death. But it was I played the second one around the time that I was playing Mortal Kombat 11, mm. and I was out. Oh, yeah. Rinsing that. And then I went back to Injustice 2 and Mortal Kombat 11 is like the perfect NetherRealm fighting game. It's so tight that I was missing that feel when I went to Injustice 2. So I kind of played myself with that because (laughs) everything about it looked so cool. Everything that you just said there, I wish I could have experienced fresh at the time. That's the thing because they they made such big like strides and have done across the 2010s. Like Injustice 2 felt like this massive step up and then MK11 is a massive step up that you kind of just can't go back to it. What was your number seven? My number seven. Funnily enough, we both uh, changed to DC at the exact same time. <laughs> and I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this pick. My okay. number seven is DC Universe Online. I don't even know if you've ever mentioned that in the whole time I've known your face. No, because I'm very shameful about it. <laughs> uh, because back when the uh, PlayStation 4 came out and there were very few games for it, and I certainly could afford mm-hmm. very few games for it. And then here was DC Universe Online looking at me over and over again. <laughs> And I played that game for um, not as long as you should play an MMO for, okay. but I sunk tens of hours into that thing Why and have you never enjoyed my time. Because it's just kind of... Nothing to be afraid of. Well, it's nothing of. to be ashamed of. It's just DC Universe <laughs> Online has such limited cultural cachet. Like, mm. nobody talks about DC Universe Online well, anymore. D- I remember when they did. I remember when it was on PC and it was a huge deal. And it was, you make your own superhero. And, you, and I remember the, the first set of missions, because I did download it on PS4 as well. Because I used to watch it on, that was back when Giant Bomb was um, streaming some of it. And I watched that. And then I downloaded it and made my dude and did the first couple of, like, missions or whatever. But I was like, this just isn't for me at all. Like, I just MMO stuff isn't going to um, tickle the old pickle. So I didn't bother with that. Um, but I know what it is. And I feel like a lot of people did talk about the potential of, like, a fully, you know, Warcraft-style DC universe that was, that, that was in the year when um or the early 2010s whenever it was star trek was online yeah and dc was going online and it was like this whole thing of like if we can just nail this online mode guys like matrix online was dying because no one was going on well this is it now it feels quite antiquated mm. because i feel like the mmo genre has kind of leveled up so much since then you know now if you play something like final fantasy 14 or the elder scrolls online mm. even fallout 76 you're getting these like well less so fallout 76 but you know what i mean uh, these <laughs> big games that kind of have really good combat alongside them, like really like interesting and tight gameplay. Mm -hmm. Whereas DC Universe Online was about the world first and foremost. It was about the character creation. It was about Mm. this dungeon crawling. And the combat was fine, but it Mm. was like, 
it couldn't match any other superhero games that were coming out at the time. Like, it was no Arkham, for instance. No, no. But the ability to create your own superhero and exist in this DC universe, you Mm -hmm. know, alongside heroes and villains that can be your mentors that you're going against and whatnot, it was just stuffed to the brim with stuff to do. And just the ability to, you know, be a character who can fly around Metropolis Mm -hmm. was, for me, a a dream come true. Like, I'd always wanted to do that outside of a terrible Superman game. I was going to Say, I like great. that Superman Returns game, right? Because <laughs> we're talking about one, if we're talking fair. about stuff that we played when we first got the console. Um, I didn't get my 360 uh, at launch. I, I got it like after because I couldn't afford it. And I, when I eventually got it, um, I got the uh, Superman Returns um, demo, I think. Um, and um, I forget what else came with it, but it was like, yeah, that early going thing of like, oh my god, this is the next generation. Look, I can take off and fly all the way up, and like just that, I like that feeling of like, you know, your mind sort of fills in the blanks of like how like bad the, some of the character models are. But that Superman Returns game, if it nailed anything, and it barely did, it was the ability to just kick off the ground and fly all the way up yeah. and watch the city like just disappear below you as if you're like zooming out of a Google Earth thing. Um, that stuff was cool. Um, that's such an interesting pick though. Like I, I really like that in terms of um, the combination of the games. That were thrown up because I feel like, like you said, um, DC Universe Online barely ever gets talked about. I literally don't even know if you can play it anymore. I don't know if the servers <laughs> are down. Not. I think that, I think that's I think I, I genuinely might be a pointless recommendation because someone might look that up now and be like, Josh, this game is being. I would out assume 10 years. that there's a little um, there's a, a set fandom that are keeping that uh, still waving that flag. You would assume so. Like the, the name DC Universe Online is too specific hey. for DC themselves to let it go. That's what you, you would thought hope. about the Matrix Online and look at that. Well, you're not ground. wrong. Matrix. Is Self sort of died as well, though. <laughs> DC still going strong. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, I'm going to blow your blow your mind because we could only pick one um, title from a franchise. And so that meant that I couldn't go with Spider-Man 2018 or whatever year it is. 2018? Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that fits the criteria. I think it was 2018, um, which meant this 
factually meant, chemically, cellularly meant that I had to go with Spider-Man Miles Morales at number six. Oh, right. So this because is, I had to, okay. it, it had to be done. I forgot that game existed. That's, That's not good why. at all. No. My, Spider-Man Miles Morales was my initial number one. And I started rejigging stuff around. When my, when my brain said, what's the best superhero game? My mind went to Miles Morales because I think that it's such a, it's, it doesn't take much refining from the 2018 version, um, the, the Peter Parker game or whatever, because that game is so immaculate in itself. But I think that the way that they give you a few extra moves in the combat of Miles Morales, I love all the Thunder Punch stuff that you can do, all the different modifiers that you have. I love the fact that they just trimmed off all the mini game stuff that you just don't need it. Miles Morales, I mean, I love Miles. I love um, Into the Spider-Verse. I love how much that that game, Miles Morales is pretty much the game version of Into the Spider-Verse. Like you have all the stuff with the Prowler and all the stuff with his uncle and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're drawing a lot of parallels to the sort of pop culture version of Miles Morales that's emerged since Spider-Verse, which is perfect for me because I never read the original uh, Miles comics. Yeah. So in terms of like pound for pound playing as this character, loving the setting, loving the, the, the way he's written um, and loving the um, the plot drive and everything, I thought Miles Morales was a, was a better game, quote unquote, than the original Spidey 2018. I get that you wouldn't even have it without all the stuff that the original set in motion, but if I'm sizing them both up, I would give people Miles Morales. And it, like we're talking splitting hairs because um, you can have so much fun with Miles Morales um, and you can get the Spider-Verse costume in there too. Um, so yeah, out of the two, if I'm picking a slot, uh, my number six slot is the Spider-Man 2018 slot, but it's pipped by Miles Morales. Hey, you know what? I mean, it is a great game. And like you said, Hell that, yeah. t- that spin-off adds so many cool additions to the experience. Like mm. you said, I prefer um, playing as Miles because I love the way that the character in this game expresses himself more with the swingy. It's yes. kind of like more, it's less refined than mm. Peter's version. It's kind of like more out there. And I like the way that Miles in the city he kind of like just throws himself from web to web <laughs> and he's just kind of like a, a, a mess of limbs and stuff. He had so many like, so cool. yeah, super cool like transitional animations or whatever you're doing when you hit the next button, he'll figure out a way to go into it. For me as well, uh, New York in winter is like just a cheat code for getting me to enjoy <laughs> your thing. That uh-huh. is perfect. And I think the story for as much as I love and we'll get to uh, the story of the regular Marvel's uh, Spider-Man, yeah. like they nail Miles as a character. They nail the dynamic with his family and friends. Like I just wanted to spend time in his, uh, you know, mom's apartment totally. and stuff like that stuff is incredible. And I've, I actually was a Miles Morales fan from the beginning because I used to read uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. Like that was the one comics run that I ever read and loved. And Mm -hmm. when obviously, spoilers, they kill off Peter Parker in that story, then Miles comes in. I was like, actually, initially, I was initially hesitant because he's like 13 in that story. And I was like, I'm a little bit older. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I can relate to this guy. I was won over (laughs) by that. Spider-Verse completely cemented him as like a pop culture phenomenon on the level of Peter Parker. And Mm -hmm. then this game, like you said, you know, managed to meld those two things and give another take on the character that is familiar yet is defined enough to be memorable in the gaming space. Mm -hmm. What a game it is. Oh, dude, it's perfect. I love how propulsive, like you said, all there's all the transitional animations and the way he's learning to swing, which like has just the right amount of like, he he meant to go that way. He meant to fling himself that way, um, but he's also getting used to it. And it's like, as a sort of one Spider-Man 1.5, let's say, because we haven't got Spidey 2 yet. um, I think it works perfectly. It's just like slotting it in. It's like, this is what this dude got up to. And he's still figuring out the ropes, but he's doing it really well. What is your number six? My number six is Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which I won't spend too long on because it's pretty much plays the same as X-Men Legends, which I talked about earlier, but you can apply all the great things about those games to the entire roster Mm -hmm. of Marvel heroes and 
the locations you go in this game, the enemies you fight, you know, going up against Doctor Doom, going up against Galactus, going to uh, where does Thor live? Asgard. Asgard. All of the God. locations. It's it's a great kind of romp across the entire Marvel universe Holy. with um, popular <clears throat> Marvel characters as well as deeper cuts. I love that Blade is in here. Yes, that is awesome, and I love the system that they have. Like I said, you can pick four different heroes to be your squad. Mm-hmm. But because the Marvel Universe is full of teams, you could have, like, the Fantastic Four. The it game recognizes as you do it. And yeah. It recognizes it. And it. You can have, like, the Dark Avengers or whatever, you know. Uh, other, like, you know, <laughs> Insert rosters. your favorite team here. Insert your favorite team here that I'm completely blanking on. But I, <laughs> I loved that addition. And again, it made me interested in these characters that I didn't know much about. And mm-hmm. when you would kind of stumble across a pairing and it would recognize it and say, this is the name of this team, I would, as a kid, I'd be like ooh, like there's history here that I didn't <laughs> even know about and I'm kind of like making that happen within these squads. Mm-hmm. So great, such a great roster. Probably the best roster in any Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. I yes. think uh, the best selection of levels. It's awesome. Don't buy it for 50 pounds, which well, is what Activision... Well, they removed those I'm not sure, did they? I think the, the whole thing, that's the whole thing with Ultimate Alliance 1, is, uh, 1 and 2 is that they were never readily available. And yeah. then I forget who the publisher is on that. But again, it's Raven on, on the developer, the forever overlooked Raven. Um, but that... Those games got published, and then yeah, they brought them back as a remaster. They drastically overcharged for them, especially because they were still buggy or whatever. Then they delisted it, delisted it. I oh, will do better by these releases, and just never did. So I, it's not that easy to play Ultimate Alliance one or that two anymore. Sucks, man. Which sucks because I had Ultimate Alliance at, um, one at my number three. Ooh. Because um, I think I, well, it's everything that you just said. It's it's the team side of it. It's the sort of like the group chemistry. It's it's realizing that you can play as the likes of Blaze, and then everyone has a team up move, which I thought was really cool. Um, and it's so much better than Ultimate Alliance 2. Like, I do yeah. like in 2 that you have to pick a side in the Civil War. You can side with um, uh, Iron Man or Cap. But I just, Ultimate Alliance 1, every character had an individual grapple. Like, the challenge rooms were more fun. Um, and like you said, like, the actual, like, levels you were going to were more fun. It just played better. I also think that if we're doing cherries on top of things that made me go, I love this, it was um, having the quiz in Ultimate Alliance 1 when um, yes. you could just go to, I think the first um, conduit, it's either inside the X-Mansion or whatever you call the X-Men Mansion or it's inside the Sanctum Sanctorum, but you can interact with something and the game just asks you like pop trivia Marvel questions which as a tiny little nerd like me at like 14 years old was like this is brilliant this game sees me and I'm here to be I'm here to be seen no joke I reckon part of the reason I got this job at (laughs) whatculture.com was by knowledge gained through that trivia quiz because I had no idea about the wider Marvel universe and then suddenly I had this trivia quiz that's like (laughs) filling me in on all these characters and who they are and stuff and that is just seen me through life. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful thing. So that was my, um, that's my number three. That was your number six. Yeah. So my number five is The Punisher, um, which was a game that I looked forward to so much when I was younger. I used to adore, I mean, I've got, I've got a Punisher. I used to have a, I was going to get a Punisher tattoo at one point, but I used to love the character of The Punisher so much, mainly because of Garth Ennis's run. Not really that much else. I didn't even like the Netflix show that much. Um, but Garth Ennis's initial run uh, on the Punisher Max arc, there's like 10 volumes to that thing. Um, you should just love that stuff. It's proper like grim dog. I'm going to kill everybody and I've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. Like talking like Vince McMahon. And um, I used to love all that old stuff. Whereas like now, I think if you go back to it, it, it is very grim dog. It is very like, you know, like badass 101. But... 
that game, um, it's just a third-person shooter, but they had all the interrogation mechanics, lots of really over-the-top Mortal Kombat-style gore. You can dunk a dude's face in a piranha tank and watch all the piranhas hang off his face as you bring him back up again. And I just love that game. I've been through that game I, endless times. I could I could play it in my mind right now if I needed to. But that was one of the um, one of the games that I look forward to the most when I was younger. And for me, it nailed the um, the execution as well. I think this happens uh, and is contractually obligated to happen every time <laughs> we do one of these rankings because my number five was also the Punisher. Was it? Get How in. does that work? Get I don't in. know. But yeah, I'd echo everything you just said. You uh-huh. know, playing that as a kid, especially just the gnarly level of violence within that thing was just like crazy for the time. <laughs> I actually kind of compare it in my head to Max Payne. It plays just like Max Payne. It plays Payne. just like Max yeah. Payne. It, it's almost got a similar aesthetic and you put in dudes' heads and vices and all of that stuff. It's 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 crazy. Another thing is, sorry, just to throw in here is that Max Payne, not that many games do really good NPC dialogue or really good um, situations where you're coming upon an event happening between NPCs or like whatever, like good banter between um, enemies and stuff. Punisher nailed that stuff, like especially in the central zoo level um, or in the, the opening crack house level. Like there's so much going on in those in those levels that it feels like even if you weren't there, it would be ticking over anyway. And then you get to be the chaos element that kicks the door in and like shoots dudes or grabs them or like interrogates them for information or whatever. Um, that's that an extra Max Payne wrinkle that I feel like hardly any third-person shooters do anymore. Yeah. Um, where it feels like a, a living world that you're walking through. Um, so that's my number five. Oh, they're both of our number fives. Certainly are. Um, so we can quickly move on to number four, which is Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Who is it now? <laughs> I'm going to guess that your now? Arkham Asylum is higher. Um, we'll but see. it just, for me, like I said before, my number three was Ultimate Alliance. Um, my number two was like X-Men Origins Wolverine. And we'll get to my number one in a bit. But for number four, um, Arkham Asylum, having gone back through the Arkham trilogy, I dropped off about halfway through Arkham City, mainly because I was replaying that trilogy because of the Batman Unburied audiobook series, and that thing falls the F apart at the end, where it just can't stick the landing whatsoever, really? and it just made me go, oh, well, screw it then, I don't care, I don't <laughs> care about Batman anymore. The Game of Thrones effect. The Game of Thrones effect, which just makes you, uh, well, whatever then. Um, but there's obviously, I've obviously been through the Arkham series before, back when they first initially came out, and Arkham Asylum was always one of the best ones, and when I replayed that earlier this year, it's still immaculate. I have a lot more love for Arkham Origins now than I ever did before. Um, I always really liked that game, but I think if you go through it now, divorced from the um, the hype at the time or the fact that it was just one more Arkham game, but it's not Rocksteady, Origins has a lot to offer. And I love, I was saying to you before recording, I love early going Batman when he's finding the line. How much do I have to push criminals? How much do I have to break their bones? How do I like make them not be criminals under the way that I think I'm supposed to be doing this? Um, him trying to find that line is some of the most engaging Batman fiction to me. So I love what Origins brings to the table, but if I'm picking one, it's got to be Arkham Asylum. Interesting, <laughs> and I, again, I can't fault it. You know, people. Mm. It's interesting to me uh, more so than what you said about Asylum, which was very interesting mm. and very eloquent. Uh, but the fact that you were choosing <laughs> between Origins and Asylum, like over City, because I mean they're all great I games. Never rated City or that, I mean, well, I get to that in my <sighs> thing later on. But yeah, Asylum is is just. It holds up so well, like mm-hmm. you said. And for me, Asylum sometimes gets the edge over City because of its aesthetic. You know, for me, it's way more gothic. It's yeah. way more kind of less tech heavy, if that makes sense. You know, it's kind of weirder. It's got this weirder color palette. And I, I really rate that. I think mm-hmm. it's cool. 
in a, in a neat idea to have Batman just kind of trapped on this island for like an, in the madhouse for True. 24 hours with all of these enemies. And again, like if we're talking about games that make you feel like characters, <laughs> like the free floor combat is still, you know, chef's kiss to this day. The best bit in that whole Arkham everything is the bit where he reveals there's a Batcave underneath Arkham Asylum and you as the player don't know and the Oracle doesn't know who's talking to you and he gets to be Batman in his own Batman game where you think you're controlling Batman and he Batmans you one more and I was like that's <laughs> that is, that's exquisitely done where like everyone is just going sorry what you built and he's like well it's better to be prepared and it's just like that's just so cool and it's like when you go in and it scans you it's like a full tech thing and I was yeah, like man. this is Dude. You know how, like, the very best video games kind of, like, leave a Sonic imprint on <laughs> yourself? Not Sonic the blue guy. Sonic is in terms of audio. Yes. Like, Sonic I... imprint, also a good uh, podcast <laughs> fan name. Yeah, go on. Very good. Uh, I, like, think of Arkham Asylum, and I can hear the tannoy before Joker will kind of, like, come in and talk to you dun, and stuff like dun, that. Dun, dun. Exactly. I can hear, like, the chattering of the teeth on the floor. Mm. It left such a, an impression from an audio-visual standpoint that only the top tier of any game in any genre manages mm. to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've extremely well put. I think the yeah, Arkham Asylum it was a full package. Like that's I'm not gonna go on about why I rate it higher than City and Night. I just think there's a certain focus to Asylum um that just play just accentuates everything that is within. What is your number four? Well my number four was something we've all, already talked mm -hmm. about. It was the Batman Telltale season. Oh one. yeah you said cool. So if I'm oh, should we jump onto your Also number in that three? case my number three would be Ultimate Alliance one we covered it. What is your number three? My number three also has ultimate in the title, but it's ultimate Spider-Man, oh! which I will never stop talking about. This is one of Someone the Someone should keep talking about it. Spider-Man games. It, for me, it's leagues above Spider-Man 2, although I still love that game. If we're talking about full packages, my friend, mm. ultimate Spider-Man is the one for me. Uh -huh. The cell-shaded look of it still holds up to this day. If you get this game on PlayStation 2, you will still be blown away, mm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a soft spot, like I mentioned previously, for the ultimate Spider-Man universe. Like I said, that was the comic uh, that I was into. So mm -hmm. seeing those versions of heroes and villains in video game form to me was a real treat. Uh, the swinging is cool because you get these added elements where you can like climb up your web mid-swing yeah. and whatnot, which I really enjoy. And you get to play as Venom as well in certain levels and later on in the open world. In children, Venom, I believe. Oh my God, Venom <laughs> in this game plays... He's like a, he's a literal creature. He's a monster who leaps from building to building and leaves kind of, you know, craters when he lands on the floor. <laughs> you are eating children to regenerate your health and you are chasing down people with balloons to just, like, massacre. And it's, it's so dark, it's so cool, and the story as well is really fun. A mm -hmm. lot of memorable boss fights in there. Essentially took what worked gameplay-wise, in my opinion, from Spider-Man 2 mm -hmm. and refined it and got rid of the fat, got rid of... Uh, Everything that was kind of annoying in that game did much better voice acting. Missions. Yeah, much, much, much better voice acting. Tobey Maguire was was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> thank God. Uh, and I just think you know it's it's practically flawless in a way. I would give you that a massive shout out to the game's cutscene direction as well. I love the yes. fact that it like looks like the panels come to life. I've not played Ultimate since when it first came out. Again, I rented that, and I remember being on what I think is the last boss. There's like a downed helicopter, a flaming wreckage fight yeah. of some sort, pulling a memory from 2004. And um, I remember being 
being on that fight and my mum was like, we've got to go, we've got to give the game back. And I was like, I'm coming, mum, as I'm like holding the controller, walking towards the door, still trying to play the game. Never finished that game. But I think that <laughs> is the final fight. I got very, very close. Um, but yeah, Ultimate Spidey, um, like you said, it has such an imprint, whether it's like, whether it's just this visual punch or just overall, it has such an identity to it. It was the first thing I downloaded on the Steam Deck nice. um, when I got that. And uh, so I, yeah, I'd like to go through that properly. Um, so that would be, that was your number three. Yep. And then back to my number two would be X-Men Origins Wolverine, but we've covered it, which leaves your number two as something else. Arkham City, this one. Okay. Which is okay. what made me kind of speak up when you were talking about choosing between Asylum and mm. Origins, because for me, it is Arkham City, I think. I used to go backwards and forwards on whether I preferred Asylum, and while I do prefer the aesthetic of Asylum as a game, mm. man, for me, it's City all the way. Like, the the building out the open world to be a proper open world mm. for me was a winning move because the way that this game puts side missions into its environment and kind of like just has them be things that you stumble upon and i'm right. talking about like the main side missions in this in this regard i think is just so immersive i love the kind of abilities that it adds to the traversal where you're kind of like going up on the zip line and then you're kind of uh, you know diving with the cape yeah. and flying around all of that's cool i like playing as catwoman as well the story is really interesting and for me it's just like arkham asylum but better. <laughs> I always didn't like the fact that if you t if, if Arkham Asylum was a pristine dinner place, then City was a shattered version of that. Ooh. Like in Not in a necessarily a bad way, just in terms of what you were there, what you could see before was now going A to B to C. And I didn't really enjoy, I didn't like the open world stuff that much in City. So that's what always knocked it off for me. But I do I, I agree with you that like stumbling upon those missions, if you find them, is great. Like something like um, the payphone going off, like uh, Zaz or whatever being on the other end of the phone. Um, that happens regardless. But other stuff like Hush, you just have to find him. And so I remember... Um, younger me was just like, well, that's BS because I want to do the hush stuff. <laughs> and then in night, they were like, okay, let's make sure we serve this up to you. But then it was like too much. And so when I went back to City, I did enjoy my time with it. But I just, for overall, for me, Asylum pips it at the post. But it's like, I do th I do see why people love City. Like you are either a little bit too uh, confined in Asylum and there's something about being Batman in a, in a city. Um, the art direction as well for City is gorgeous. Like yeah. the giant moon in the background, all the neon signs and everything. Um, and all the neon light, rather, and it's, everything's so smoggy and dank, and it's just, it's what a Batman city should be, Definitely. like a Gotham city should be. Um, I, yeah. just, I think it's great that, you know, we've got this uh, gaming franchise mm. with four games in it now, and each one, even Night to an extent, has a different claim to being the best one, all for different reasons. Like, mm -hmm. it's not um, a game series where the sequels kind of make the other titles redundant. Like, the, they're each kind of obviously building on a theme, mm -hmm. building on a set of mechanics, but they're all doing it in a, new, in a mostly unique way with their unique uh, kind of, like, artistic priorities, mm -hmm. their unique aesthetic choices, and I love that that differentiates them to, like, speak about as a whole because everyone else has a different like uh, favorite mm -hmm. and the reasons why their their favorites is always interesting to pick apart. I always love the fact that because like I said, I, I played like a little chunk of night and then I went back and did all of Asylum, did all of Origins, and then about half of City. Um, and I do love that the core stuff is the same the whole way through in terms of you can get that combat system down and then they build on it in different ways. And I love all the different like accentuations you can do to your you can give your combat more flair in Arkham Knight. Like you can kick off the wall and come back on a guy or something like that. Um, but like you said, there's like a through line playability to it where you can just you can just get through that whole franchise um, or series of games with um, whatever reasons you prefer for each uh, specific game along the totally, way. Totally, man. I love in City that you can just, I got untold hours out of <laughs> not doing any missions, not doing any side missions, just kind of flying above the city and then dropping down 
at a group of random thugs mm. and just kind of like pretending I was Batman, right. walking up to them slowly, you know, barely throwing a punch, just countering all the time, <laughs> essentially doing what uh, Robert Pattinson did in the Batman earlier this year, yes. living that out in video game form like 10 years ago. Oh, dude, I, 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 I did that so much in uh, Asylum because it's always like you'll come out of a cutscene, you know, Batman's surrounded by a bunch of dudes and you just kind of wait there. Like yeah. the, the, the um, cape is just down and spread out and you're just waiting for someone to hit you. Um, that stuff is so cool. Um, Sue, that would be your number two. My number one is Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1, which <laughs> no way. Which I didn't even... Re- I, you know when something is so obvious that you don't think about it for a while? <laughs> yeah. Um, putting this initial thing together, like I said, my initial number one was Spider-Man Miles Morales. That's what my brain said. Right. Um, and then it was like through initial conversations, like we were potentially putting this together before recording, and you mentioned Spidey 1, and there was just something inside me went off that went, nah, it's that. It's, right. It was always that. It was always Spider-Man on PS1. It's the, like, it's the opening of Stan Lee's narration. It's the fact that every single character who even cameos in that game is a perfect version of themselves. Um, there's that great exchange between Daredevil and Spidey. I love how jokey and um, the Punisher stuff is. Venom is hilarious in that game. So funny. So funny. Like, I don't know what you call the dude who's playing him in that game, but it's the perfect, walks such a perfect line of being like big, dumb, heavy Venom um, with like a side of like kind of menacing and kind of like visually quite scary, um, especially if you're younger when you played it. But yeah, Spider-Man on PlayStation 1 for me is why I love Spider-Man as a character um, and the escapism side of it and everything else. So yeah, I just, uh, Spidey on PS1 would be my ultimate um, comic book superhero game. Hey, it's awesome and it's topped off by uh, the symbiote Doc Ock. I thought you were going to say Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro because that's usually your go-to thing. I was getting to that. (laughs) Spider-Man 2 Enter Electro may be a superior game for two reasons. One, Spider-Man has the web armpits, which are objectively the best thing in the world. I don't like them at all. And that's that's just classic. I just, I, I, despite my homecoming, I'm like, what are you doing? Classic. I don't like them. And uh, it can also allow, it also allows you yes. to fight on the ground, which Spider-Man 1 doesn't allow you to do. That's true. I remember thinking, I remember being gutted by that when I was younger, but I just love, because that was the thing, you talk about the first time that you took a character out into a city setting or did something that character does that you love. The first time I took Spider-Man to swing around a city was that first level of Spidey on the PS1. Um, and it's not a massive level, but I mean, they gave that out as a demo back in the day as well. And I just spent forever in that area with Spidey saying, um, I've got to follow my Spidey compass. And I'm like, yes. no, you don't, Spidey. I'm <laughs> going to take you around these buildings for as long as possible. Same, man. And I think the additions to the alternate costumes yeah. uh, were also great because each alternate costume came with uh, their own unique powers. Mm. So obviously I was the black suited Spider-Man because you got unlimited webbing, which allowed you to do exactly what you mentioned there. Just go from building to building, mm-hmm. just search these essentially cardboard boxes <laughs> in some fog, which rarely had any secrets to them, but occasionally would. Uh, and it was like, yeah, it was, it was There's something amazing. about that whole game's production that is put together with so much love. It has so much charm. I mean, I know it's never soft. They did just come up, come off Tony Hawk's and they, were, they went in to do Spidey after that. Um, but it, like I said, it starts with Stan Lee's narration. He comes back in at the end. Um, that game, even, like, even the version of Captain America, Mysterio, everyone that you find in that game, I just think they, they excel in the little tiny bits that they're given. Um, and also Monster Rock at the end, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, one of the most harrowing boss fights of all time. Even if you watch footage of it now, the sound effects that that thing makes when it chases after you are like horrible. Horrific. Horrific. Um, so yeah, that's my number one Spidey on PS1. Your number one. My number one has to be Marvel Spider-Man mm. on the PlayStation 4. And I must admit, I'm kind of cheating right now. I didn't <laughs> acknowledge Miles Morales earlier right. because in my head, I'd actually... Like, like it's one big release. I rolled it I into Spider-Man because mm-hmm. if you get, you know, Miles Morales on PS5 or even PS4, you can get access 
to the remastered version of Marvel's okay. Spider-Man regularly, so mm-hmm. they're kind of bundled in that way. That's my <laughs> cheat that I'm going to use. That works. Taken together or even separately, admittedly, and if we're just focusing on the 2018 game, mm. I do think it's the best superhero title ever made because it's, like you said, you know, it's a love letter to Spider-Man, but also it's its own thing. Mm. I love what Insomniac did to kind of put their own spin haha, uh-huh. on this character, not just in terms of the new costume, but in terms of their characterization of Peter, Mary Jane, etc., etc. Like, when you are playing through that game, you kind of don't know what you're going to get because this is an older version of the character. Yeah. He's already fought a lot of these villains before, and it's kind of like a familiar but new world. And that's risky. Like, if mm. you had told me before launch which I guess they kind of did, that this was going to be, you know, an entirely unique take on this character, I would be worried, man. I'd be thinking, please get this right. You're not going right. to get it right. How are you going to beat what's already established in the comics? And in a way, they kind of managed to do that, and I just love the ballsiness of that. Yeah, I, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Like, as, as much as, like, a lot of um, superhero games, recent ones, have kind of done that almost bland color, color palette, bland art direction. Like, God, like, the Guardians game looks very bland. Like, it plays very well. It plays solidly enough. The, the best thing about that game is the script. Yeah. But the actual art direction isn't really anything to write home about. The Avengers game, very bland-looking character models, very bland-looking art direction overall. Spidey, for as much as, like, I think it has more art direction, especially in terms of, like, you know, the way that, like, the sun will just catch you in between a couple of buildings or something. It does have more um, significance elements but even so they make that style really work where like you can just look at the sales figures for how much it's blown up um, but it feels like a nicely matured version of what something like the PS1 game started yeah. um, where it's just like here's a great introduction to this mythos like you know bits and pieces like Doc Ock and Spidey and whatever but it's just every bit of that thing just flies um, I didn't like I wanted them to have a bit more to the combat I initially had Web of Shadows way higher on my list because right. I like the um, the like you uh, the web sling or whatever it's called the web zip I think it was called where you um, you can stay in the air forever just like knocking off different dudes fighting in the air fighting on walls yeah. um, where like only his feet are on the wall but you're fighting like normally as if it was the ground um, stuff like that I kind of wish the Spidey series, the new Spidey games had more differentiable elements so they weren't as uh, alchemy but the amount of um, acrobatics you can do and just how much you can ping around the level or whatever I do think like differentiated like that anyway totally I think that's kind of what not saved it for me but I worried mm. that the combat was going to be forgettable or just kind of like an Arkham clone like a lot mm-hmm. of the older Spider-Man uh, games were the amazing Spider-Man games especially yeah, yeah. but the introduction of the gadgets which again Arkham kind of had it, but mm. I felt like I always was, uh, I thought they were way more pleasurable in Spider-Man than they ever were in, in the Arkham games. And just kind of like the flow that you get into, like you said, this acrobatic flow where yeah. you're you know, sliding under the legs of one dude, you're bouncing off this guy, you're doing a web swing into a web kick to you know boot a guy off a skyscraper. It all had that flow mm-hmm. that kind of elevated it uh, for me and gave it way more of a dynamic spectrum well, to your options. That's both kind of, of those sense. games. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Both of those games are the only ones, uh, some of the, like, I've only got like six platinum trophies, but in Miles and in the regular Spidey, I have that 100 combo thing. Because yes. I was just like, let's just find an area where a bunch of dudes are going to spawn and try and take them all out without being hit. Um, yeah, Spider-Man is a, a worthy number one. I'll tell you what as well. What cements it for me as like the best superhero game is just kind of like the emotionality to the story Ooh. as well. Like I, I won't spoil it now, but there is a real big emotional beat at the end. <laughs> yeah. But it's not just that. Like the rest of the game has like these really interesting relationships that you want to see explored. Like I would have loved this game if it was 
only the scenes with Peter and MJ yeah. kind of like talking and having relationship drama. You know, she's he's making food, then he's gonna run out with Spider Man. They nail that so well. It's, Him texting while he's while he's Spidey and stuff. Exactly, yeah. man. And if if you didn't have that foundation, the game wouldn't be as good. But they have that foundation. I just can't wait to see how they build on it mm-hmm. with Spider Man Two and like they built on it with Miles Morales. Yes. So either way, whether it's me or you, Spidey is at number one. But we'll see what happens with the future of superhero games and the Arkham series getting very close. Very, very, very close. close. X-Men Origins Wolverine getting very close. Um, but yes, come find us on social media. Come let us know what you think the best superhero game of all time is. Um, and for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. I'll go let James Dows out. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.